Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Ah, this right here, exactly what I'm talking about. The change in the weather. The change in time. It's about time. You made your point. Now, get on out of here. Bring us back Duval. The way we want it and the way that we love it. What a magnificent day today. I really think it's going to be a great week and weekend. A busy one here in Jacksonville with the Jaguars. Much more on really everything that is the offseason, as I say nightly, and I think I'm going to do it um, until it wraps up. We are in the midst of, I think, the most incredible offseason that this franchise has ever seen, has frankly ever heard. And it's just one thing after another. Again, it is difficult for so many of you out there that you know, you're kind of grasping for straws, right? You're, you're, you want information. You want transparency, and you're just not going to get our old friend Ryan O'Halloran today, who's been well-traveled since his time here. He went to Denver, now in Buffalo. And, uh, boy, I bet O'Halloran would have a blast with, uh, with Trent Bulky because Ryan was just so fidgety, right, so nervous. And I said this, he's a friend of mine. He spent a lot of time in my bar watching hockey. O'Halloran's a true hockey fan. O'Halloran and Blaylock. Spent more time in Blue's Bar uh, watching hockey than, than probably any members of the, uh, the Jacksonville media. Of course, they're former members now. Blaylock down south with Miami. And God bless Ryan O'Halloran. I hope he got a raise and another winter jacket uh, covering Buffalo. But today, over an hour spent with general manager. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, it's Billy um, uh, Bean. Brandon Bean. Brandon Bean is the, I almost said Billy Bean, Moneyball. In Oakland, no, this is Brandon Bean who calls the shots uh, in uh, in Buffalo. So, I mean, think about what happened there, right? You lose again. Did you leave it out on the field? I tend to think you did. There were some mistakes, just an enormous drop by Stefan Diggs that frankly cannot happen in that situation. Some other drop balls late in that game, um, instead of taking what Kansas City would give you, and remember all the defensive injuries that the Chiefs had in that game, instead of trying to pick up yet another first down to put yourself in a better situation to kick a game-tying field goal, um, Josh Allen probably made the mistake of throwing it into the end zone, and then as well on third down uh, with a miss. But those fans are absolutely... Uh, beside themselves. I mean, Buffalo remains one of 12 teams in the NFL who has never won a Super Bowl. Obviously, Jacksonville is on that list. Unfortunately for the Jaguars, they remain one of four teams 
who have never been to a Super Bowl. All right, we know that Buffalo went to four straight and they lost four straight. Uh, along with Jacksonville, it is Houston, Cleveland, and yes, Detroit. They've won two playoff games in a row. They are a touchdown underdog this Sunday at San Francisco. But Detroit has an opportunity to take that number from four to three if they are able to win the NFC Championship game. And, you know, today you had the conversation with uh, the Buffalo media and Brandon Bean, and that's so powerful, right? It's so uh, noble. It's, It's what you do. When you're in charge, it's what you do when you represent an organization. It, it has nothing to do with Ryan O'Halloran. Here in town, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with my colleagues. It has nothing to do with the very, 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 I must say, incredibly good-looking television reporters and analysts and hosts that we have here in Duval. And all the... You know, the, the, all the scribes, all the curmudgeons. It doesn't matter. It's not for them. Do you think I've ever been a loss for words? I've got a ton to talk about. It's for the fans. We're the conduit to the fans. Tell us what's going on. Tell us what you're going to do. Tell us what went wrong. Tell us what went right. Give us something. I don't expect you to come out and tell us you're going to restructure this contract. You're going to re-sign this player. You're going to allow this player to leave via free. No. I don't expect, but something. And again, what's the last thing that this organization is living off? A Monday after being eliminated from the playoffs, Doug Peterson showing up more than 30 minutes late. 30 minutes late for his press conference. And then telling us something, and the exact opposite uh, the exact opposite happened two hours later, two and a half hours later. We were on the air. Came in at like 6.30. At Mike Caldwell and most of the defensive staff had been fired. Right after two and a half hours previous to that, Doug Peterson said he needed time to think about it. And am I overanalyzing it? Maybe. But this is a one-horse town. You got Jaguar fans here that are starving. You got diehards with a knee jerk. They're going to tell you. They're going to tell all their buddies. They're going to send in on on the text line here. They're going to reach us individually and tell us that's it. They're done. Bulky's back. I'm done. Press Taylor's back. I'm done. I'm not going. They're all going to return. They're diehard fans who are hurt. What's the best way to get to your consumer, to your fan base? Tell them. Something, just something. And around here, you're not getting anything at all. You got Trent Bulky hiding in a bunker, and that's bad business. I, I, I think when you build a landscape of anything, any type of company, anything that it is that you run, you need tremendous leadership and you need solid communication. And in this case, I've got to believe There is not good communication between the Jaguars football operation and the business side because the business side right now has got to be saying, are you kidding me? Where's the mouthpiece? We're going to go out here on the road and ask the taxpayers for money. We're going to go out here on the road and say we need a new stadium or we need a stadium with a facelift. You've got the mayor 
and Donna Deegan telling us that that's going to happen. You've had Mark Lamping with his presentation. That's going to happen. How can you not be on the same page with the football team? Again, this is a forgivable fan base. Now, you can look at what happened in Buffalo, the death threats to the kicker. Apparently, they've turned that 180. Now they're donating money to uh, his charity, and you know he has removed himself completely uh, from social media. I'm talking about Tyler Bass, who missed the 44-year-old. Apparently, he's getting death threats on his uh, whatever social media account. I mean, <laughs> can't you track that? You know, I I wouldn't. I would assume this isn't a Jim McElwain lie like what he did in Florida. If, if someone is sending you a death threat, can't you track that? E- even if you have an alias or, you know, your uh, bills, you know, Joey jumps through a table on fire, media or mafia bill fan, can't you find out who that is? With the technology we have nowadays? I mean, a death threat is really, really serious in my opinion. But anyway, uh, good stuff there. Today in Buffalo, I just wish we had that type of transparency right here in good old Jacksonville. Anyway, it's not going to affect me. I, I have plenty to do, all right? I just like it when we are able to provide you with some sort of information. As far as I know, we're, we're not going to hear anything until, what, we're 92, 93 days away from the draft? Um, if they do have some big free agent signings, possibly. You know, we're going to hear from the player. I would think Doug Peterson is going to be there. I don't know if Trent Bulky or Shad Khan uh, is going to be there. So um, it's just bad business. And, 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 you know, I can't say it enough. It's, it's really disappointing that that is the way they treat their customers uh, in this city. It's, it's really Bush League, and there's no other way to say it. All right, speaking of Bush League, I, I thought of this earlier today when I was driving around Duval. I finally figured out what pro football focus is. PFF is a mother-in-law who overstays her time at your home, okay? Now, for me, the max amount of time would be maybe 15 minutes with a mother-in-law. Pro football focus is basically like a week plus with a mother-in-law. Today, they came out and told us that the biggest need that the Jacksonville Jaguars have is wide receiver. I've seen three different mock drafts that were released this week, either yesterday or today, including Mel Kuyper. On those three mock drafts, what is it? A defensive back at number 17. So here we go. We're two and a half months out. But still, the ignorance here of not really understanding what this football team is all about and where this football team really struggled during the 2023 season, it was in the ditch. They could not run the ball. They could not defend the run. Yet here we are. And I understand that that Trent Bulky and his people, Doug Peterson and his people, if they even look at this, they may laugh. But we're talking about those who are supposed to be, are supposed to really be in the know when it comes to this organization and the other 31 organizations. And you have these experts from Pro Football Focus and draft websites, including Mel Kuyper, telling us wide receiver and defensive back. 
So once again, if that is true, and I tend to believe it's, it's not, it's just their estimation on what this organization is going to do, they don't get it. They don't understand it, okay? I've, I've said forever, you can't really trust the national media when it comes to covering this football team. I, I think that we are an annoyance to them. I think we are inconvenient to them, and I get it. As I've said forever, I understand it. When, when I cover the Atlantic Coast Conference meetings and, you know, you're telling me it's time to talk Duke, uh, even though Manny Diaz has taken over the program this year, when it's Duke, um, you know, I'm not really excited about it. When you tell me it's Wake Forest, even though Wake Forest had success and has defeated Florida State uh, as of late. You look at the last 10 matchups, I want to say it's like 5-5, five and five, maybe 6-4 to four, uh, favoring Florida but, but still, then do it for me. When I used to cover the SEC and you told me that Mississippi State was going to talk, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, it doesn't really do it for you. I, I think that's the way that a lot of pro football writers – a lot of members of the media actually think of Jacksonville. It's the 32nd team. It's a small city that doesn't give them anything. They, they don't know what we know. They don't know about the nooks and crannies. All right, They don't know how good this city is. And unfortunately, they remember the awful weather at the Super Bowl and just a lot of other things uh, that happen. And, you know, Jacksonville becomes the black sheep. Jacksonville becomes exactly what I said when talking about a Duke, Wake Forest, or Mississippi State. But you would think they'd have a better handle on this team because they've had consecutive winning seasons. And they were one game away from going back uh, to the playoffs for a second consecutive year and actually hosting a playoff game for a second consecutive year. But that continues to be uh, an issue with that. And uh, if you want to comment on it, by all means, you can bring it tonight, 641-1010 on our text line that's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Also tonight, as we do each and every Tuesday, we'll grab some phone calls. Same number, 641-1010. I, um, I kind of get the feeling that those who are disgruntled, those who are really bitter, with every day that's passing by, there's a little bit less of that. Am I wrong? And that's, that's what's great about being a fan. And it's only the 23rd day of January. Think about what it's going to be during the 23rd day of February. Think about what it's going to be during the 23rd day of March, where you will already know what this team has done as far as free agency and what this team has done as far as restructuring contracts. And a month after that, it becomes the NFL draft, where for all 32 teams, it almost feels like that is, in fact, uh, a Super Bowl. By the time you get into May and June, July, I know. I, I know football fans, especially in this city. You are going to return. So I don't really feel that there's a lot of uh, fans still up against it the way that you were a few Sundays back. If I'm wrong, by all means, let me know. Two ways you can join us tonight. Uh, 641-1010. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures on the text line. And as well, we'll take calls tonight at 641-1010 as well. All right. Also tonight, a couple of things I, I do have up my sleeve, which I want to get into, that do not involve the Jaguars. I'll, I'll actually get there momentarily. I did put on Twitter a few hours ago, I was told earlier tonight that Dave Huxtable is going to be joining the Jaguars staff. He's a name we talked about. Yesterday, J.J. and I did. We mentioned a couple of different coaches 
that we thought would join uh, Ryan Nielsen. And I was told earlier today that that is going to be the case uh, with Dave Huxtable, who has some Jacksonville ties. Uh, His son played baseball at JU. He was the senior defensive assistant in Atlanta under Ryan Nielsen. So if he comes here, does he just, you know, take over the responsibility that Bob Sutton had while he was here? For what it's worth, I I think Bob Sutton is a um is a real good coach, but he was relieved of his duties. Let's see. Yeah, his son did play at uh, Jacksonville University as a baseball player. So Dave Huxtable is on his way. That's all we know at this point. And, you know, the Jaguars haven't officially announced that um, either. I, I, my guess would be they're not going to announce coaches uh, piece by piece. It'll be one release, right? And only three defensive coaches did return, the most prominent one being linebacker coach, outside linebacker coach Bill Shuey. You know, you had Rory Seacrest return as the assistant on the defensive line. You had Pat Riley return as a defensive quality control coach, but there's a lot of positions uh, that need to be filled. Positional coaches, and I got to believe another coordinator somewhere, all right? Are they going to have a run game coordinator? Are they going to have a passing game coordinator? Are you going to name something else with a, you know, a decorated title, uh, if you will? I, I don't know at this particular point, but my belief is that the Jaguars will hold off on all of this until they have all of their coaches in place, and then there will be one release. Um, hopefully, that's what they're doing right now, right? I mean, that's, get, again, get ahead of it. You got a guy here in, in Ryan Nielsen who spent six, year in New Orleans, six years with the Saints, one year as a co-defensive coordinator with the Saints. This past year, a co-defensive, or excuse me, was a defensive coordinator in Atlanta, My understanding is that when he got to Atlanta, for the most part, all of the coaches were already in place. But this guy has a lot of knowledge within the coaching circles, particularly within the NFC South. I have to believe that he has a lot of say here, along with Trent Baalke and and Doug Peterson, as to how this staff is going to look. And, you know, my final thought on this, it, it goes back to what I mentioned a few minutes ago with Ryan O'Halloran. There's so many rumors that are out there. And there's always going to be rumors whenever the season ends the way that you do not want it to end, if that makes any sense. But there's a so you know, there's just so many that are happening with this football team right now. And I think some of it is misinformed. I think some of it is guesswork. I also tend to believe, you know, the old adage, uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. But you can't go anywhere on Twitter. And that's for the most part where I stay. I don't do some of these newer websites. Uh, what do you tell me is pretty good? Reddit? Maybe I ought to start investing some time there. You ever get anything no, good don't, off Reddit? don't. Is it a waste of time? Yes. Okay. So I check with the, young, check with the younger generation. You say no. Don't waste time there. But you know what I'm... What I'm trying to say is there's so much out there as far as, as rumors. And ahead of that right now is that Balky and Peterson do not see eye to eye. And in my position, I love that. That's great to talk about, right? 
but I can't say it with any concrete, substantial information. I haven't been told that from someone uh, in that building that I know would know, if that makes sense. And I'm not saying that what is out there isn't true. What I'm saying is I can't confirm that it's true or not. But when you don't hear at least something, it, it does make you wonder about that a little bit. And, you know, Prisco was on earlier today, had some really interesting things to say. As a matter of fact, I want to play a couple of those comments a little bit later on in the program. Um, I am one who has always stood by my belief, because it took five weeks to get Doug Peterson in here, that Peterson is not a Trent Bulky guy. Okay, and I've done homework on that from years ago. Uh, but when I always preface it that way, I tell you that's my opinion. I don't say it as fact. Okay, there's a difference. I'm going to give you my opinion on this show. I'm going to give you my opinion um, regardless. And there are certain things that I say that are fact. In this case, this is not a fact. This is an opinion. Now, it's an opinion based on individuals that I have spoken with, if, if that makes any sense. And I've been saying that now. This will be going on our third year. <laughs> I mean, remember two years ago, or actually three years ago, Urban Meyer was fired, and here it is, the 23rd of January. You're thinking, okay, you know, the Jags have their new coach, right, right, right? I think there was eight or nine coaches that were open that year. The Jags were first. The Jags were Carolina. Carolina said goodbye to Frank Reich. They became the Jaguars of 2023. Get out. Get ahead of it. They didn't. I want to say they were either the last or the second-to-last team to announce who their head coach was. So, all right, you can do diligence me all you want. You can say whatever you want, but certainly this organization takes its time on figuring out exactly what it is that they are going to do. All right, opening comments tonight are brought to you by Schmunez Vision. I've known Dr. Neil Schmunez since I got back into Jacksonville in 2006. All right, he performed surgery on my right eye eight and a half years ago. Just went in for a normal examination on my eyes. And he said, brother, you've got to get this thing removed immediately. So we did the very next day. That's only a part of what they do. High quality medical and surgical eye care. Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship training, cornea, cataract surgery, all refractive surgery. And no matter what the issue may be, I want you to check them out online. Just go to schmunezvision.com. You may get worried about an issue that you have with your cornea, perhaps cataract issues. You think you may need cataract surgery. You may. Uh, There may also be a a simple remedy that they can provide for you that is not surgery. There's, There's a lot of different things that apply here. And again, everyone is different. Everyone's eyes are different. So check them out online. Go to schmunezvision.com. That is schmunezvision.com. All right, when we come back, more on the Jaguars. Also want to get to the Hall of Fame. The induction announced at 6 o'clock. For the most part, they did a really good job here with, with who's going in, but I thought they missed on a couple of players. So we'll spend some time on that as well. If you want to get in, the text line, 641-1010 is the best way to do it. Also, we'll take Jaguar calls tonight if you want to get in. Same number, 641-1010. 
Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. A little bit warmer out there tonight for the ladies taking the Phillips Highway stroll. Quick send out to you, Johns. Received a little tip at a sting. Kidding, I received no tip. But good luck explaining that. <laughs> I've always, I mean, when you're when you're caught with something, it's um, you know, your your ability to lie your way out is uh, is really what it's all about. But I just don't know how you can lie your way out of that one. Good luck to you. Uh, be careful. And I guess, you know, we don't pick up newspapers and stuff like that anymore. They used to print that stuff all over the place. You used to see it walking into convenience stores and stuff. They'd have, like, a special magazine. They'd have all the Johns on the cover. Kind of like who done it, who got caught with it. And, yeah, you know, you'd see a lot of interesting guys that are kind of doing this, doing that. But it always seemed like there was a, um, you know, a prominent person on there, a business leader or... I don't know, someone out in the public. And uh, it's the oldest profession, but, man, it is massively embarrassing if you were to get pinched. I actually think if I got caught, J.J., I'd probably get promoted here on 1010 and 92.5. What do you think? You lost? Say that again? I said I actually believe that if I got pinched, I would get a promotion here. You have no idea what I'm talking about. If you got caught with a prostitute, you think you'd get a promotion here? Yeah. Okay. All right. Never mind. 5262 uh, calls in and says this. Uh, Blue, usernames can be tracked by an IP address. Uh, cops need a warrant for that info, and um, it's up to the Internet provider to give up the abuser. I'm talking about the story that is out of Buffalo, uh, that there were death threats on the Miss field goal uh, that did happen with uh, Tyler Bass. Apparently, he received death threats. You know, we learned here with the Florida situation a couple of years ago with, um, you know, what happened with Jim McElwain that if you got to lie, that's not something to lie about because if you go and, and check back on it and you can't find anything, it's going to be incredibly embarrassing, also expensive. You're going to take local, maybe, maybe uh, state, who knows, maybe federal dollars into the investigation and if you can't find anything then you know what the end result is uh it ended up costing jim McElwain his job i gotta believe this situation in buffalo i mean look at the baseless uh faceless and i thought and i still think to this day it wasn't true but remember when it was Bill Hancock at the night of the national championship game he came out and said he's received death death threats, and he's concerned about his family because Florida State fans are all up in this and all up in that. And listen, I love Florida State, and I I felt they really got screwed. But if you're offering up a death threat, then you got some massive problems. And this should be investigated. And you should be going away, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, I have a criminology degree. When I'm not doing sports, I am absolutely all about true crime and the law. And 
I just can't see how a sporting event would cause that type of angst. Even if you lost a ton of money gambling, even if you are a lifelong fan, do you think this guy planned on missing the kick? Okay. And, you know, I I can understand if something happened to your family that you respond and it may end up being that way. Okay. If we talk eye for an eye, I get it. But over a game, no way. You've got to be kidding me here. So I I hope this doesn't just go away. I I don't want false, um, I don't want exaggerated or embellished acts. If you received a death threat, I want accountability here. I want to know who did it. The the whole Bill Hancock thing is gone. I, I get, we'll probably never hear that again. I sit here under the belief that Bill Hancock lied about it, okay? I don't know that, but that's just my feeling. I don't believe Florida State fans were saying that, beware, we're coming after you, we're coming after your family. I don't. Now, it would be unfair for me to say, even though I don't like Buffalo fans, of course, I I love Florida State, it would be unfair for me to say here that, you know, oh, yeah, Buffalo, they're the worst. They did it. There's no question they did it. Look at their reputation. I mean, we're talking about a death threat here. It's one thing to boo. It's one thing to throw snowballs. It's one thing to cup your hands and make some, you know, deplorable comments. That that stuff's going to happen. But threatening someone's life? So we'll see. And the NFL has unlimited resources and money. Does this just go away? Or do we actually hear something about it? We're hearing way, way more about a flop during the, what was it, Ohio State-Purdue women's basketball game. What's that young lady's name? Caitlin. Uh, she's, like, considered one of the, you know, great young women's college basketball players. And, and the video is shown that, yeah, there was contact with her, an Ohio State fan, when she ran on the field. But now, you know, 99% of the people who are covering this story are calling her, you know, for a flop. And that, you know, she overdid this for attention. She overdid this because they lost. She overdid. That's getting all sorts of play. Yet this story in Buffalo is, is getting uh, just a smidge. So a uh, little bit surprised by that. If you want to comment, you can. 641 1010. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eighty forty-three. This guy goes, "What if the kicker missed so badly that it hurt a family member in the stands?" Well, that's happened. Dave Campo got hit by uh, a shanked field goal a couple of years ago. You know, we all remember when that happened that day when they were practicing out at uh, Episcopal. Uh, Bluey's going to play. Uh, I, I like this. This is funny. Bluey's going to play a Ray Finkel or pull a Ray Finkel. Isn't uh, Ray Finkel? Isn't that? Ace Ventura, if memory serves me correct, with the Miami Dolphins, the guy who ended up doing that, I, I believe it is. Ray Finkel is a uh, main antagonist of the movie Ace Ventura. There you go. There you go. 8177, boo, if I get caught with a prostitute, I get a promotion. Oh, he's actually quoting me. I don't know. The Jags wouldn't have liked it, but... I, no longer have to worry about that. I, I, I just don't know around here. It would have, it would have garnered a lot of uh, a lot of intention. So, 
Uh, we'll see. It's gotten better with time, Baloo. Hmm, 10.42. I'm hopeful we get the ring in the next two years. Ugh. I would make Trevor play out year four and five. We unfortunately squandered this year. We have to pull all our chips in the middle of the table. Spare no expense. Don't focus on the future. Don't worry. The floors, ceilings, win now. I'll take a couple of bad seasons after we get a wing. It's gotten better with time. It has gotten better with time. This team had consecutive first-round pick, or consecutive top overall picks. And you've won nine games in the last two years. It's a much better starting point. The expectations have changed. I, um, I have a pretty good memory when it comes to going back and forth with listeners to into the night, okay? And I was absolutely amazed early on in the season when Jacksonville got out of here. Remember, they lost those first two in the heat. They were one and two before they had to get out of here. My God, let's get out of here, you know? Oh, so cowardly. It was. (laughs) We got to get out of here. That was just... That was awful. But they did. And they won five games in five different buildings. And they were winning games. And I'll, I'll never forget that you as fans were, were complaining. You were complaining about 10-point victories. It wasn't enough. And I was like, my gosh, man, has the fan base, have their expectations ever changed on this team? I mean, two years ago, Winning a game by 10 points, didn't matter how you had won that game by 10 points. You would have been absolutely uh, immersed in um, nothing but pure joy. This year, it wasn't enough. You weren't running. You weren't doing this. You were bad in the red zone, third down conversion. I mean, there was always something. Trevor, you know, Trevor only had a couple of games where he threw two-plus touchdowns. It was just... It was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, this isn't a bottom feeder team. I mean, no one's going to look at this we, even before we get to the moves. No one's going to look at Jacksonville and say, okay, yeah, they're going to finish last in the AFC South. You know, they're going to be a 6-11 and 11 team. No, you're not going to get that from anyone. Are they going to be projected to win the AFC South after the emergence of Houston? And obviously, Indianapolis is improving, and it, it feels like Tennessee, even though they made a mistake by firing – uh, Vrabel, in my opinion, it it feels like they're on uh, the come as well. It is getting better, but it still isn't anywhere near um, where it needs to be. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, who does this say? 37, Ricky, you going to get scolded for that? That was a shot at Leon, 3042. What does that mean? Leon Cersei, do we, any any of us know what that means? Any idea? You do a show? Um, yeah, but I'm not going to say it over the air. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Somehow that went over my head. Uh, 0981 Blue, uh, no, do not. Uh, Reddit, that is a slippery slope. Well, you know, uh, let me tell you that I can't remember the last time I read a message board. And there was a time when I, it was probably pre-Twitter, where, you know, in my opinion, Twitter replaced message boards. But what really aggravated me 
about message boards. I don't think there's ever been any with the Jags, at least none that I'm aware of. But I used to be in tuned uh, with the Florida State message boards. I used to write for FSU Knowles, and it became War Chant, and gotten a little bit of a feud uh, with them, which is, I mean, who cares, right? Who cares about a media feud? And, and it was years ago. I mean, I, I forgot about it. But what would drive me crazy, and this is why I stopped doing it, is oftentimes you get blamed for something that you didn't say. I remember one time I was with David Lamb, and David Lamb just went off. I can't remember what the significance of the conversation was, but something was said. And believe me, I've said whatever it is that I want about Florida State, and Florida State fans recognize that and understand it. But something was said, and my name got posted on it, and all of a sudden I saw it. It was like, you know, and you can't, if you try to defend yourself, you're going to get crushed. That's the same thing with Twitter. Although I think with Twitter, because it, it goes to everyone, you can at least make your point. If you continue to fight, you're going to get beaten up on Twitter. No one's going to win on Twitter, right? But the message boards, I thought, were a lot less informed, if that makes any sense, uh, compared to you know, really the way Twitter works up to the second. And, you know, you have to go fishing for message board. I don't even know if they're still around. That's probably the healthiest thing I did to my mind is, is just get rid of them. Now, as you know, when you text me, 641-1010 on the text line, there are some nights we literally get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I can't respond to you all. But JJ and I are very interactive with you people. I'll read them. I'll respond to you. If it's something I don't know, I'll go look. Uh, like this one thing here that went over my head, I... I I don't know what it's about, but anyway, I'll find out. But it just, um, it, I don't mind doing it. I actually enjoy doing it, if that makes any sense. But, yeah, the whole, uh, no, I've never been to Reddit. But JJ said, no, I'll stick around. Uh, this guy also referencing my Miles Jack wasn't down shirt. Yeah, this is a late night Tuesday night shirt. I saved it. I don't remember where I got it, but I like the threads. And uh, wearing it here on this Tuesday night. All right, Florida State's gone up for the first time in a while. 57-54 over Syracuse. Ten minutes to go. Second half at the Carrier Dome. Keep you updated on that game. Also, get back to some of your thoughts. I want to get to the Hall of Fame as well. That is coming up. 641-1010. That is the number if you'd like to get in. And as well, 641-1010 on our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. To the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, going to get to the Hall of Fame here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, I want to spend at least a few on some baseball. Uh, right now, football continues to be where it's at. Championship weekend. Really some just phenomenal numbers uh, in this game, number one against number 162. It's the first overall pick, the last overall pick in the NFC Championship game with Jared Goff and Brock Purdy. Uh, Mahomes now, this is going to be a 14th consecutive championship game that's either had Brady or Mahomes in it. And this is going to be different for Mahomes. As you know, he's got to go out on the road. He's got to be able to win this game in uh, in Baltimore, all right? Last two MVPs. And, and Lamar Jackson, not last two, but two have won the MVP. 
Jack's probably going to get it again. His second MVP. So it's going to be, um, it's really going to be fascinating. Both teams are really dealing with some injuries, uh, particularly on Kansas City's defensive side. They could be down as much as three starters in this game. Uh, Baltimore has been without Andrews, uh, has been out without Marlon Humphrey in their secondary as well. You go over to San Francisco and Detroit, beaten up there. We don't know about Debo Samuel, who's got a shoulder. Of course, he came out very early in the victory over the weekend. So we discussed that and that attrition and how it really affects the team. That hurt the Jaguars down the stretch. There's no question about it. And if you're reaching for built-in excuses, that's one. There's only one man you have to convince with that, and that's Shad Khan. A year ago, the health on this football team was absolutely fantastic. I mean, outside of Ben Barch and Shaq Griffin, for the most part, you remained with your starting lineup. You lost Cam late. You can't say that this year. I mean, you mentioned your best players, and it seems like they all missed significant time or played while injured, and that includes Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne doesn't get enough play, in my opinion. I mean, that guy had bruised ribs. He had a chest injury, and he became a workhorse. I think he ended up, what, third or fourth in the NFL in total touches. This past year, and even Doug Peterson went on and said that, right, during his press conference, that he can't use injuries as an excuse. And then a few seconds later, he talked about how there was no chemistry, no continuity in the left side of the line because of injuries. I get that when you're a coach. When you talk about it, it it feels like it's an excuse. And as a head coach, you can't play that with your team. It has to be the next man up mentality. But you would think that the media and the media here is, is wise enough to observe that and certainly talk about it. So you as fans out there get it and understand it. Uh, 59-16 says right here, Rick, would you consider this year a success? Ignore the eight and three. It's nine and eight. Narrowing missing the playoffs. Is it a success? Uh, Curious with your thoughts. No. It's not because I was one of those who the entire offseason said they're going to win the AFC South. And, you know, I thought all along they could win a home game here during wildcard weekend. And I was looking at maybe a repeat of losing on the road during the divisional round or perhaps even winning that game. And you remember at eight and three. Remember all the rage around here. Remember all the talk around here. Number one seed, home field advantage, a bye. I mean, those three things disappeared. If you look at the Jaguars and their, what, 29 years worth of history, and you say nine and eight, is that a success? Absolutely. It's a winning season based on three decades worth of football. But with the expectations going in for this season, no. Now, I don't know if I'd label it a colossal failure, but to your question, what I consider a success, no, I wouldn't. And I don't know how Shad Khan thinks of it. 
again, we haven't heard from him. The only thing we've heard from on Shad is his comment about how excited he is to return uh, to play a home game in London. Okay, again, they don't they don't say a lot, which I I I I think they're missing the beat there because I think you would appreciate a little something, even if it's canned. Uh, but the Shad Khan nine and eight may be successful. You know, were season tickets up? Was advertising up? Did the Jaguars make money? Is his franchise worth more now in late January of 2024 than it was in late January of 2023? have to believe it is. So as a money man, as a billionaire, he's worth what? Forbes said $12.1, $12.2 billion. Franchise is worth more now. It was a winning season. He may That may be good enough. Now, again, we hear rumblings that he's upset. I don't know if he's upset. I've heard everything you've heard. Schaub was involved with the firing of the defense coordinator. I I don't know if it's true. I certainly heard the rumor. But there's no, you know, there's nothing there. I've always been under the impression that that Schaub let the football people do the football things and that Schaub himself knows he's not a football guy. He's the, he's the owner. He's the money guy. I don't think anyone looks at Shad Khan and says, this guy can tell who's going to be a better cover corner, this player or that player, or, or this man's going to be a better pass rusher, this player or that. I, I don't think anyone looks at Shad Khan and says that, that he's an expert in that field. I don't believe so. Again, I could be totally wrong. For all I know, Shaw could be studying film right now. He could be in another country. Uh, he could be in another continent. And he could be studying film. I, I don't know. We, we, his inner circle is very, very small. I've always wondered about that. Who are his football confidants? Who are his, you know, who are his football people? Everyone's got people, right? They're soldiers. They're Consigliaries, their their lieutenants, their uh, their their uh, bosses, Capos. right? Yes. Where's the inner circle for Shad Khan? Who? You know, uh, seven or eight years ago, I was told Bill Polian was on it, and Bill had a lot with the return of Tom Coughlin. I can't believe Tom's a part of it now. Tom had. Obviously, something to do with the hiring of uh, Antonio Pierce. That was public over the weekend that he was involved in that. I, for all I know, uh, Shaq Khan could have a dozen guys that he rings things off. Yeah, I, Tony Dungy, I've heard that name. I don't know. But when you're in this position you got to have people around you who know the game, even if it is, you know, a, a consultant, right? But someone who knows the game. Someone who says, this is what you need. This is what you're missing. You need this type of person to lead. You need this type of person uh, to do this. I have no idea if Shot has any of those guys. For all I know, Shot could go to Trent Balky and Mark Lamping and his son. Honestly, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to be a smart ass here. I, I have no idea who it is. I, you would think to be a, you'd think to be a former Jaguar player 
Maybe there is. I mean, I'm buddies with Baselli. I don't think he is. I know Fred Taylor a little bit. I, I don't think he is. I may be wrong. Maybe he maybe he goes to those type of guys. Maybe it's someone not with the name recognition, but has been around here, knows this town, knows what's going on, is very aware of the ins and the outs, and and Shad trusts him. I don't know. But right now, it feels like Shad Khan's inner circle is uh, is very small, and frankly, it's not good because he's letting a man by the name of Trent Balky run this organization with, it appears, no support. I mean, I ask you this about once a week. Who's on Team Balky? Give me a name. Give me a name. Team Balky. I mean, Dave Caldwell had allies. Gene Smith had allies. Shaq Harris had allies. Not you. You wanted them out. Fans wanted all those general managers out. Okay? Who are Trent Balky's allies? Who's on Trent Balky's side here? I don't, I, I've never been so a loss for words. I, I don't know how to answer that question. Gene Smith was terrible. Gene Smith was a really good football man. Gene Smith was a terrible decision maker when Jacksonville was on the clock. He's a good football guy. Good scout. Was good in player personnel. Dave Caldwell's reputation around the league, pretty solid before he got here. Dave Caldwell knows football. I've talked football with Dave. I I watched the Florida State practice with him at UNF. Dave knows football. He made some bad decisions. You can know the game and make bad decisions. But, you know, those are the type of guys that I would hope that Shaw would have a relationship with. Not necessarily those two because they're former general managers here, but but guys like that who have been displaced around the league, right? He's got to have connections. He's been an owner for 12 years. Tony knows everyone, man. I mean, he's involved in with his wrestling and with soccer. I mean, these guys have to have connections. When Shad Khan rings your phone, you answer. And I, I just wish I knew who it was. Couple of guys out there, former coach, former GM, former player, whoever, who you can trust and go to. He's got to have some. I just don't know who it is. All right, we ran late. Let's get to our second hour. We get another hour's worth of this. If you want to comment on that, 641-1010 on our text line. And as promised, let's get to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Joe Mauer, a couple of former quarterbacks. What would have happened at Florida State if Joe Mauer? went what would have happened to Tennessee if Todd Helton remained remember he was benched and they brought in Peyton Manning but a couple of ex-quarterbacks to the Hall of Fame Adrian Beltre third highest war ever for a third baseman consider that that's pretty impressive we'll get to that as well in our second hour let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. 
What a second half run here by Florida State. I want to say the game was tied at half. Florida State might have been down by a point. It's now 82-64. Two minutes to go. So Florida State up 18. Trying to get to 6-2 in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, that would put them at 12-7 overall. All right, a couple of first ballot Hall of Famers inducted tonight, or actually named uh, to the Hall of Fame tonight. The induction will be this summer, but it's Todd Held, not Todd Helton, he's not a first-timer. Adrian Beltre and Joe Maurer are first-time on the ballot. Todd Helton joins them. So three members on this year's class, uh, 95.1% for Adrian Beltre. Maurer just barely gets in at 76.1. You need 75% of the vote. And glad to see Todd Helton get in. I, I was reading a little bit how they've done some numbers about ballpark, um, you know, the differential or the differences in ballparks and, you know, out there in Colorado. That hurt Larry Walker a little bit. And, you know, he was in Montreal prior to that. But for Todd Helton, people were like, okay, with the way the baseball moves out there in that thin air, would Todd Helton do the same things if he was playing uh, in other parks? Um, I'm not going to get into the way that they – reconfigured his numbers, but uh, he is certainly deserving. It's, it's also pretty apparent to me that, that where we are now with the Hall of Fame, that the numbers that, that used to mean everything, right, 300 average, 3,000 hits, uh, 500 home runs, it seems like we're getting away from those numbers with the new math in Major League Baseball. Today, it's more about war. It's more about your OPS uh, number. Uh, get involved with splits. You know, what you did in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. I I understand the new math. I support it to some extent. But in my opinion, baseball and football falls into this category as well. You still have to respect the overall numbers. And Todd Helton hit 316 in his career. Think about that. 316. Absolutely magnificent. The guy had 2,519 hits, nearly 600 doubles, 369 RBIs, and had a slugging percentage of 539. All right, his overall ops was 953. There's no question. In today's Hall of Fame, he is in. And I think a lot of old school people will look at this, and I remember – Someday I'll play that. Maybe I'll do it in the dog days of of of, of the baseball summer when, when Reggie Jackson actually called it into my show. And this was 20 years ago when I was in Chicago. He was on the Los Angeles freeway. I still have this on CD. Reggie was upset about the new Hall of Fame. And Deion Sanders said it recently as well in the NFL. Is it is it time to have a, you know, a particular wing for the very best of the best that it feels like Hall of Fames everywhere are getting watered down. And I, you know, I think there is some some truth to that, but I do believe they got it right with these three members. Uh, Joe Maurer is going to go in very similar to another former Minnesota twin. I mean, he's got to be up there as like uh, the fewest games ever played as a Hall of Fame. And I'm not talking about, you know, obviously Sandy Koufax and a pitcher. You look at Koufax did in his short career. 
really seven or eight dominant seasons, kind of like Gail Sayers in the NFL, kind of like Baselli in the NFL, kind of like Bobby Orr in the NHL, right? Um, but, you know, 2,123 hits. I, I was, I, I was going to look it up earlier today. I didn't get to it. it it's for the least amount of hits as a player in Major League Baseball uh, who actually ended up making it to the Hall of Fame. I got to believe Joe, Joe Maurer is going to be, you know, in the top 10 in that category, maybe top five uh, in that category. But as a catcher, this guy won batting titles. All right, this guy had a career average of 306, yet he had a, he wasn't a power hitter. You know, Joe Maurer only had 143 home runs. Um, he walked nearly, what, 70, 80 games or 70, 80 times a year. So decent numbers there. His overall war was pretty impressive. Joe Maurer getting in, I, I think position-wise, that really aided him. The fact that he was a catcher for the majority of his career is probably the reason why Joe Maurer got in on the very first ballot. Adrian Beltre is an absolute no-brainer. I mean, if you disagree with Adrian Beltre not getting in the Hall of Fame, then you just do not know baseball. Third all-time in war as a third baseman. Um, the thing that hurt Adrian Beltre is he didn't make a ton of all-star games. It felt like a lot of times throughout his career, he was the second-best player on the team and a third-best player on his team. But he was such a mark of consistency through all his travels that there's no question about it. And again, he received most of the votes. All right, those who just barely missed out, again, you need 75%. Uh, Billy Wagner, 73.8%. Wow. Just barely missed it. And I was looking at all-time saves leaders. I want to say Billy Wagner right now is seventh all-time on that list. So it's unfair to compare sport to sport. But I kind of will, even though it's foolish to compare saves in Major League Baseball to rushing yards in the National Football League. But if you look at rushing yards, everyone is in the Hall of Fame on who's eligible. We haven't seen Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson yet, right? But everyone is in until you get to Fred Taylor. That's the, that's the stopping point. And it's going to take a few more years for Gore and Peterson because they, you know, I, they didn't play this year, but I believe they played in 2022. So it's going to take four more years for them to be eligible. But the next man up is Fred Taylor. And I hope he gets in at the end of the month. I still think that, that Fred's going to get in in 2025. That's just my opinion because I think there's too many first ballot guys on this year's um, – you know, Hall of Fame in the NFL that's going to make it. But you could say the same thing here about Billy Wagner. He's next man up when you, in fact, do look at saves overall. He just barely missed it. And unfortunately for him, it was his final year on the ballot. So that is going to sting uh, as well. Gary Sheffield, okay. Now, I read the Balco book. Um, You know, the Balco book is mostly – on Barry Bonds, and it's on uh, uh, was it Jackie Joyner, Kersey. It, it, a lot of it was on her, uh, the former track athlete. But it's very prevalent in the book that with the Balco investigation and everything that Gary Sheffield used the cream, right? But he didn't know that the cream 
had steroids, right? Unlike Conseco and Bonds and everyone else who knew what they were putting into their body, most of them lied, then got caught lying, not Conseco, he admitted it. Sheffield wasn't aware. Sheffield almost got in. 90, uh, Gary Sheffield, 63.9%. So he's about as close as, as you can get, not, you know, in... Forget actually, Billy Wagner has one more year. This was it for Gary Sheffield. So he did not get in at 63-9. I thought Andrew Jones would get a little bit more love because of just how great he was defensively. And the guy was a consensus gold glove winner. And obviously had a ton of pop offensively. Seven years on the ballot, 61.7%. I think he's really got a shot in the next three years uh, to get in. All right. I haven't seen the 2025 ballot yet, but right now my guess is Billy Wagner and Andrew Jones have a real good chance at getting in in 2025. Carlos Beltran, not so much, 57.1%. It's only his second year on the ballot. That's a pretty good starting point. He's got eight more tries. He could get there. And then you get to what is disappointing, in my opinion, A-Rod and Manny. I don't have time tonight to really get into all this steroid stuff, but obviously they're victims of cheating, and the voters have been very, um, very spacious with this. You know, when it comes to speculation, a guy like Pudge Rodriguez, in. A guy like Jeff Bagwell, in. David Ortiz never tested positive for steroids. It was that story about something in a milkshake a decade or so ago. You can go back and you can Google it. In. Um, and then others. They get laughed at. A-Rod, Manny. Heck, uh, I mean, Paul Merrill and McGuire and Sosa and Bonds, they're not even on the ballot anymore. Those 10 years are gone. I mean, they're going to have to wait for the Veterans Committee, whatever they name it now. They're always switching the name of it. I just think it's time, you know? I do. Chase Utley, his first year on the ballot, 28%. Heard a lot of people clamoring for Chase Utley, and it's like, I mean, you got to be kidding me. This is the Hall of Fame, and, and people talk about it being watered down. Chase Utley was a really good baseball player. Chase Utley and the Hall of Fame cannot be said in the same sentence. I'm sorry. Doesn't even have 2,000 hits. Omar Vizquel, I thought, would get a little bit more love for his defense. And again, he's a guy plus 2,000 hits. He may be a guy plus 2,500 hits. 26, 27. 28. Does he have, I mean, that's, you know, so we are seeing the new math in baseball, but I, I still hold on to the old numbers. Would he end up with 2,800 and what? Uh, 2,800, 700, or 2,877. So he's 123 hits away from 3,000. If he got the 3,000, he's in end of conversation. We don't have a player outside of the all-time hits leader. We do not have a player who is not in the Hall of Fame with 300-plus hits, not named Pete Rose, or who has been run up on charges of steroids, right? The two that come to mind are Palmero and Rodriguez, north of 3,000 hits. Bonds never got it. Manny never got the 3,000. McGuire didn't get it. Sosa didn't get it. So 
some really good players here, but they're not Hall of Famers. Bobby Abreu, Jimmy Rollins, Andy Pettit, 14, 13, respect, uh, respect uh, uh, for them. And then, and then these players, I, I think, will be off the ballot less than 10%. They don't deserve to be there. Mark Burley, Francisco Rodriguez. He actually might be right there with Wagner for saves. Torrey Hunter, David Wright, Jose Bautista, Victor Martinez. These are good ballplayers, not Hall of Famers. I mean, someone voted for Brandon Phillips. They should lose their they should lose their ballot. Seriously. The second baseman for the Reds? Yes. Wow. I mean, how many all-star games did he even make? Someone voted for Matt. I mean, there were four votes for Matt Holiday. There were five votes for Bartolo Colon. You know. Brandon Phillips has more hits than uh, who are we just talking about? Mauer. Mauer. What's he got? Twenty two hundred. It's just barely two thousand. Two thousand twenty nine. Yeah. Three time All Star. Oh, he was a great player. Yeah, I mean, good player. But I agree, that's silly. What's your real quick? What's your? How much longer for the not? How much longer for the steroid guys to keep him out? I would have had him back in, um, but unfortunately, I used to think of the Baseball Hall of Fame as like the only respectable one, you know, like I would think uh, the NFL, they'll put anybody in there, you know, like uh, basketball, it's not even the NBA, it's just like basketball in general, baseball, now that's the one, you have to be like elite, you have to be one of the greats to get in, and because they aren't putting those guys in, they're putting some lesser guys in. I, I don't have a problem with this year's class at all. But last year, with Scott Rowland, and I don't remember who the other one was, I'm like, this is really watered down. This is getting rough. Um, I think we're going to have to wait till these guys die. Not the players, but the voters. You know, some of the older cats. And what you said before, they're going to have to have that committee or whatever it is veteran committee that brings these guys in years and years down the line and I hope guys like Pete Rose I hope Pete Rose gets in but I hope these guys are around to see it you know like I hope they're still alive I don't like when someone's dead and they put them in the hall of fame it's like they can't celebrate that they can't enjoy that I understand they cheated but damn man there was a lot of pitchers cheating too I'm looking at the least amount of hits who are in the Hall of Fame, and it's it's really disturbing because so many of these players played in, like, the early 1900s, and they got voted in by the Veterans Committee years later. And, I'm you know, I'm just looking at guys like Home Run Baker with 1,838 hits and Louie Boudreau uh, with 1,779. I, you know, I can't really comment on these guys and watch them play, but their numbers are, are really down. Uh, you know, Mickey Cochran, 1,652 hits, considered one of the great catchers of all time. Hank Greenberg at 1,628. These are names I certainly all do remember, but you know, Roy Campanella, his career came to an end way too soon uh, because of a uh, card accident. Here's one that got me. Ralph Kiner only had 1,451 hits. Wow. He really was a modern day or a before the modern day. Uh, type of uh, of Mark McGuire, but I, yeah, he led the league in homer seven times. Oh yeah, he, no doubt. By the way, last year was only Scott Rowland. Yeah, I mm-hmm. didn't realize that. Oh yeah, what a what an exciting class. Yeah, 
Um, so there you have it. You know, I'm a Braves fan, obviously, uh, for anyone who listens to the station, but I don't think Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. I think he's the greatest center fielder I've ever seen play. Um, but just, I don't know. I don't. I never had that feeling when he was playing that this guy's a Hall of Fame player. He just struggled behind the plate mightily. I know he had a lot of home runs, but, man, he struck out a lot. He really had a hard time getting guys in with under two outs on third, like struck out. He had that really long swing. To me, great, great, great player, but never a Hall of Famer. But, I mean, he is more than Scott Rowland. So if we're putting Scott Rowland in, put Andrew in. Yeah, and a lot of people would say if you're going to do that, Dale Murphy should be in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Older Braves fans have been saying that. I didn't really get to see him play a little before my generation, but, man, you know, the – Crossers of the world have been well asking for that for a decade. He, here's the issue that I have with today's voters is it seems like the we know that the math changed and also the style of the game has changed. But I look at a guy like a Scott Rowan and a Todd Helton and an, an Andrew Jones who's not in and players like that. And then I look back at players in the 70s who were so good who are not in, okay? How's Dave Parker? Not in. How's Steve Garvey? Not in. Look at his numbers. Um, you get to the 80s, how is Dwight Evans? Not in, if you compare it to the numbers of some of these players. Don Mattingly? Not in, if you compare it to the numbers of some of these players. Thurman Munson? Not in, if you compare it to some of the catchers uh, who have gotten in after. It, it, it feels like... The voting has changed, and the overall feeling of getting in has changed. And the numbers that the writers use, like back when you know Dwight Evans was getting voted in, they were using like average home run RBI. That's it. Now they're not looking at that at all. No, like his OPS. numbers look better yep. now than they did back then. It's like OPS plus his his on base percentage was really good. You know his. OPS was really good. These are things that they existed, but people besides Bill James weren't really using them. I mean, you mentioned a guy like Dale Murphy, a guy like Joe Carter. You know, I mean, they're, they're He's right in, there. isn't he? I don't think so. I mean, they're right there. And do you consider? No, he's in the he's in the uh, Canadian of- Baseball Hall of Fame. Right. Okay. Um, but do they take in consideration what he did? You know, during the playoffs, what he did during the World Series, the guy won a the guy won a World Series, right. a walk off home run. I mean, the three most famous walk off home runs in the last fifty years are Fisk, Gibson, and Carter. Am I wrong? I mean, we can go back to Bill Mazarowski and Bobby Thompson and stuff like that, but that's way back. You know, that's way way back. We're talking about recently. All right, next year's ballot, and then we're going to wrap this up. Get back to football. Uh, as I said, I think it's a real good chance that, that Billy Wagner and, uh, and Andrew Jones will be one and two. They'll, they'll have a chance next year. Uh, first on the bout, Ichiro. Oh, lock. CC Sabathia. Guy won 251 games, man. Probably not first ballot. Three 3,093 strikeouts, 18th all time. Uh, pitched into the playoffs 10 different years, 10 and 7 in the playoffs. 
I don't have a war here for him. A 55th all-time pitcher in war, okay? Placing him higher than almost a dozen of the current 66 Hall of Fame starting pitchers. And he's got a World Series in New York. Yeah, he played in a big market. A lot to be said for that. He'll get in. I I agree. He may not be first ballot, but he will get in. 3,000 strikeouts. Dustin Pedroia, no, no, don't dirt dog, don't dirt dog me, okay? Pedroia was a good player. He was a gutty player, a role player. He's not a Hall of Famer. Ian Kinsler, <laughs> wow, for the Rangers. King Felix, he's in. That's a Hall of Fame player to me. You think so? Yeah. Ninety-six starting pitchers, Jaws. Uh, he's compared similar. Uh, and he's very similar to pitchers, Cole Hamels, Kevin Apier, John Alaki. 169-136. A 342 ERA. Struck out 2,524. You know, those wins are down a little bit. Seattle was up and down. I was about to say, he played on years. really bad teams. Uh, won a Cy Young. Two-time ERA title. I, what, he has a perfect game, right? No. So anyway, if you are if you're scoring at home... And you are a Braves fan. Jones has got a real good shot of getting in next year, which I would have never expected. Because the only one who's ahead of him is Wagner. It's his final year in the bout, and he missed it by one point two percent in seventy-three-eight. I mean, all he needs is a couple of voters. Although voters are weird, there have been voters in some years who have voted guys in, then not vote them in the next year because they'll compare it to. Well, last year there wasn't a lot of guys. Some guys believe that they're they'll put a certain amount in. You know, no matter who's in, they think someone should yeah. go in. But then some guys are like, no, if no one deserves to be in, I'm not going to vote for anybody, which I prefer that strategy. All right, so if I was voting, my automatic would be Ichiro. I'd look back on Billy Wagner. I'd have to look through his numbers once again. But, you know, I do take uh, – I do respect the Baseball Writers Association of America, and obviously they're aware of what he did with his credentials. So – I'm thinking I would vote Wagner in. I would have to really study Jones and Sabathia and, and probably take a good solid look here at Carlos Beltran, who to me just doesn't define nah. a Hall of Famer. Another one of those. That's my point. He's great. He that, was a great player. But that's my point. If you're going to put Carlos Beltran in, how can you say that Dave Parker, Steve Garvey, Dwight Evans, Joe, Qua- Joe Carter, Dale Murphy. How can you say that those players are not in if you're putting Carlos Beltran in? It, that's the issue I have. And we'll pick it up again on another day. I know that uh, you guys want to eat and drink football around here, and I respect that. But J.J. and I love baseball, and I love the history of baseball. Numbers are important to me in every sport. And the Hall of Fame. I really don't care about visiting the Hall of Fame. I, I Two years ago when Baselli went and I stayed right next door to it, I had a free pass to go in. I didn't even visit. I, I, I don't necessarily care about going to Hall of Fames. I've been to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Heck, I in Springfield, Massachusetts, was 25 minutes from my house. The Basketball Hall of Fame, I never went. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame pissed me off so bad that I'll probably never go to another Hall of Fame. Don't ever waste your time going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. First of all, you have to board a flight for Cleveland. And second of all, you're better off going to a hard rock cafe. See better memorabilia there. 
than any rock and roll hall of fame. But I love it. You know what I mean? I I love the whole Hall of Fame. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be getting into it again here with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's up next. And hopefully Freddie T gets it. I think it's a year away. I hope I'm wrong. Love to see Fred Taylor get in with this year's class. All right, you want to respond to that? You can. 641-1010. Best way to get on in with you tonight till 10. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Uh, the, the 0976 says, uh, Ballou, Tom Glavin was drafted ahead of Luke Robitaille and Brett Hull in the NHL draft. I didn't know he was drafted before Brett Hull. Really? Yeah, I put hockey and baseball against Glavin. He was at Bill Ricca. And I was at Acton Boxborough. He's two years older than me. I I don't think I ever went up against him in hockey. But um, what position did he play? He was a forward, left-handed. Yeah, bro. I played baseball because he played left-handed shortstop. What in high school? I never. That's been like the that's just the best kid plays shortstop. Oh, yeah. I no never, matter what. I never faced him as a pitcher. I, I, I faced a kid who pitched for the Braves. Uh, do you remember Pete Smith? Starting pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, Pete Smith. He, he was kind of in the same era. I want to say Pete Smith was my age. He was two years younger than Glavin. I okay. faced him, but I never faced Glavin. Um, but, you know, our hockey team, and we used to play this, you know, the the quarterfinals, uh, we used to play in the Boston Garden, the state finals. It was unbelievable. I mean, they put 12,000, 13,000 in there for these high school games. And wow. a guy that our goaltender, speaking of the Hall of Fame, went into the Hall of Fame this year in Tom Barrasso. As an 18-year-old, he's two years older than me, he was the third pick in the draft by the Buffalo Sabres as an 18-year-old was there forever, and then won Stanley Cup rings with the Pittsburgh Penguins. With Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager. He, he was our goaltender. Uh, Pete Smith from the town of Abington. Yep. Where'd the Braves get him? What round? It was a pretty high pick, I, if memory serves me correct. And he, you know, he I think he started there for like three years. Maybe three and a half, four first years. overall. Yeah. First rounder. But he was in the rotation for like three or so years, I, I yeah, want to say. Yeah, 87 and 93, so five years, six years. So I'm struggling through Florida State, and he's making all that big Sitting money. Sitting on the bench next to Smoltz and Glavin. Yeah. They always had three, if not four, really good starters. It was amazing. Yeah, they didn't even have Maddox yet. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was aware of that with Tom Glavin. I wonder where he was drafted ahead of Brett Hall. So Burlington High School. Yeah. He pitched two no-hitters in his senior year. Not surprised. 88-46, Blue heard Trevor's going to be looking for top seven quarterback money. That has to be a joke, right? He might not even be top ten. I tell you what the joke is, top seven money. Trevor Lawrence is going to be asking for number one money. Okay. Number one, money. What is every single one of these quarterbacks that we've seen 
who has signed as of late have in common? They set the record, right? Didn't it go Jalen? It was like Hurts, Herbert, Lamar. It just kept on being quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Whoever signed, still that guaranteed money didn't touch Deshaun Watson. Even Mahomes, even though he's redone it, isn't up there with um, with the top one. Unless his new contract is, I may be incorrect with that. But he's not going to ask for top seven money. He's going to ask for the most money. That that's why I. There's no hurry, you know. Let him play this year at eleven million seven hundred thousand dollars. That's good money for Duval. Let him play under that, and hopefully everything improves, and then you can. You know, slap that fifth-year option on him. You got a little bit more time to do that. Whether or not they do that to Travis Etienne is going to be fascinating as well. That's another interesting decision that this organization is going to have to make. All right, we got to get caught up here. We went long on some of that baseball. So let's uh, take our final break of the night, come back, put a final touches on this one. Remember, the rest of the week, 6 to 8, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, uh, remaining love with my Key Buick GMC vehicles. Got a couple of them. The GF has a Buick Enclave. And uh, as well, I am a big fan of my Key GMC Sierra truck. I've had that for quite some time. So uh, the lot is absolutely full right now. Uh, All sorts of vehicles that you can choose from. Brand new 24s uh, that are in and also plenty of 23s that are new. So you might want to go check them out. And it doesn't matter what the uh, budget is. You have all sorts of vehicles and incredible incentives right now. And that's the most important part of it is that the lot is full. All right. If you have not heard, Dave Huxtable will be joining the Jaguars staff, I learned that earlier today. He was a senior defensive assistant in Atlanta and has been with, um, you know, has, has been throughout uh, here in Jacksonville, uh, or excuse me, has, has been through, who am I thinking of? Uh, I And it must be late. It's too late for me. Who's the new defense coordinator? I can't even think of the guy's name. Uh, uh, Rick... Uh, Rick uh... Ryan Nielsen. Ryan Thank Nielsen. You, Thank you. Ryan Nielsen. <laughs> he he had been with him at NC State. He had been with him uh, with the Saints. And then, obviously, last year with the Falcons. So, uh, some pretty interesting stuff that, that has transpired there. Really not surprised by that, but I did hear about that a little bit earlier today. So, uh, Jacksonville has not announced the hiring yet. I imagine that that'll happen once they solidify their entire staff. They've got uh, eight other positions to fill uh, actually that'd be seven because the defensive coordinator uh acts you know is in but um anyway get me out of this will you three two one now the two minute drill brought to you by tire outlet tire outlet is now hiring visit tireoutlet.com slash careers equal opportunity employer Crying out loud, I've never been so tongue-tied in my life. The Jaguars hire these (laughs) unnamed, not even household names in their own home type of coaches. You think you know a little something about the league. What's going on? Yeah, I uh, don't know much about Nielsen and Huxtable. I saw your tweet. That was good work by you earlier today, man. But I do know this. Whether than coach football or not, 
I think we got two coaches that'll pound some beers with you. He's a good looking man. There's isn't he? no question about that. If you want to belly up to a bar with Huxtable and Nielsen, I bet you'll have a heck of a time. This is some play baseball here at JU. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Found that, yeah, I found that a little bit earlier today as well. So uh, the due diligence continues for Trent Bulky, and it continues as well for Doug Peterson. What do you think about all those rumors? And it, I, you know, it, even if they did talk to us. I don't know if we'd learn a great deal, but I, I've always been a facial expression, body language type of guy that regardless of the giving you canned answers, you can use your own wisdom or your own ideas to, to say, is this being truthful or is this telling us what you're expected to hear? We're not getting that because there's no transparency. I saw you reply to Ryan O'Hower and our buddy from the Buffalo News. I did as well. Apparently, Brandon Bean, their general manager, 63 minutes today in front of the Buffalo media, asking questions about the season, the direction of the offseason. How unbelievably refreshing. And then I, when I said what I did on social media, a couple people in Indianapolis that I know reached out and they said, yeah, our guys have done the same thing. And uh, Jose Sanchez in San Francisco, I actually had him coming on tonight, ironically enough. He goes, Balky has always hated, H-A-T-E-D in all caps, the media, even when he was out here. So, uh, not a good look for general managers that don't talk when you got Brandon Bean, a well-respected guy in the industry, holding court for an hour today in Buffalo. Yeah, and I look at things a little bit differently, too. I mean, Buffalo, it's hockey season now. Buffalo, uh, even though they're they're a huge Bills town, and that only is a two-sport town, no NBA, uh, no Major League Baseball. But this is all you got. I mean, with, with apologies to collegiate athletics and high school athletics and the minor league operations that run here. I'm talking about big, important, you know, the NFL. This is what our listeners want every single show that we do. They want something on the Jaguars. And I think it's important, even if it is canned answers, to come out and say something as to what is going on. I agree. And do you need to address the rumors floating around? No. Obviously, Pete Prisco said what he did a week and a half ago. He joined – Jaguars today and started up a little bit more whether that's true or not I don't know I I know Pete is very connected so that leads me to believe and knowing Pete that there's probably some truth to the things he was saying today on 1010XL uh but Rick when you're eight and three and then you miss the playoffs you have the biggest collapse in franchise history obviously things were not good behind closed doors so I'm not ultimately surprised that we're starting to hear some of this now because it was a collapse of franchise-altering proportions. What's coming up tonight? A lot, a lot of a, We have a lot of a lot. We got high school football. A brand-new head coach at Sandalwood High School is going to join us. Uh, we have college football. We'll obviously talk about the exodus in, in Tuscaloosa with Alabama. Talk a little Florida State. Another Friday night game. I hate it. Yeah. I hate Friday night games. Shame on the ACC for doing that. I didn't even mention that. that. Yeah, that's right. Against Duke, I think it's October 18th. Yeah, and Miami's doing a Friday night game again. I absolutely hate it. It should be high school. It, it should be high school. And, and again, a, the, the Atlantic Coast Conference, if you think you need that exposure of a Friday night football, then you got problems. And maybe we already knew they had problems. So I'll get into that a little bit. Obviously, we won't go uh, too far away from the Jaguars either. Yeah, I'm with you. Friday night should be high school. But, uh, hey, it's happening. I mean, you're going to get, again, college football games. We went through that stretch. Was it 53 straight days where there was a football game? Yeah. Because you had them on Tuesdays and Wednesdays you got as the, well. The Mac and the Sun Belt yeah. have figured out Tuesday and Wednesday night football in November. All right, Hack. Have a lot of fun. Thanks, Rick. Coming up right now. Folks, the rest of the week are with you six to eight. All right. It begins tomorrow night. Who knows? Maybe some more Jaguar 
coaches will uh, will be announced on Wednesday. Uh, I don't check the text line. Now that the show is over, if you want to get me, the best way to do it is on Twitter. That is Baloo1010XL. Appreciate all your input tonight on the text line. And again, tomorrow night, we'll join you from 6 until 8. Our producer is J.J. LaSalva. I am Rick Baloo. Again, we'll talk on Wednesday right here on your home of the Jags at 6.